You are listening to the Wise Athletes Podcast, where we invite you to join our journey to understand how older athletes can achieve high performance and longevity in athletics. I am Joe Lavelle with Dr. Glenn Winkle, and this is episode 20 of our podcast. Glenn and I are joined today by Rob Andrew and Joseph Vigil of Cyclists for Community. Founded only seven years ago, how C4C has accomplished so much in such a short time is a fascinating story of camaraderie, generosity, and determination to make cycling safer on the roads of Boulder County. If you are in the Boulder County area, you have to hear Rob and Joseph tell the C4C story. If you live in another city or state and want to make your community better for cyclists, you also need to hear this. It is possible. It can work. And you can help make it happen. Good morning, everybody. I am joined today by three people. First is, of course, Glenn Winkle, my usual partner in crime. Thank you, Glenn, for joining us. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm good. Second is Rob Andrew, who is an original co-founder and the official board president emeritus of Cyclist for Community. Welcome, Rob. Good morning. And then last but not least, Joseph Vigil, who is the current board president of Cyclists for Community. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you. Good morning. Well, I'm so delighted you guys could make some time for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of what you guys do and of many of the events that you guys put on. And I just have been anxious to help get the story out about what you guys are doing. The topic for today is Cyclist for Community, which is a Boulder, Colorado nonprofit that works to make Boulder County safer for cyclists and to foster better relationships between cyclists and all other users of Boulder County roads. The purpose of our discussion today is to help get the word out locally and to other cities about Cyclists for Community, what it is doing, how people can help, how cyclists in other cities could build something like it in their own city to make cycling a better, more important part of their community. Rob and Joseph, can you take turns and tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with C4C? Sure. Joseph, you want to go first? Uh, sure. My name is Joseph Vigil. I'm an architect. Uh, we're here representing Cyclists for Community C4C. And the, uh, really the relationship between another organization, Wednesday Morning Vela, we'll talk about a little bit later. But I got involved with the uh, original Wednesday Morning Velo crew maybe 10 or so years ago. And then uh, I've been on the board of C4C, which came out of that organization in 2015 or so. So I'm the current board president. I will be up in a couple months or so, and a new board president will be coming on. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. It's really a fantastic organization, and we'll talk a little bit more after introductions about that. Great. Thanks, Joseph. And I'm Rob Andrew. I was one of the founders of, of C4C. I've been very involved as one of the organizers for Wednesday Morning Velo, which it came out of. My day job is I'm, I'm in corporate insurance. I'm a partner at a very large privately held global brokerage firm. And so work in that space. I live in Boulder and I ride my bike all over the place and race when I can around work and kids and family and things like that. And had worked to start Cyclists for Community back in 2013. We're going to explore that a little bit. And today I sit on the board, still heavily involved in that and work really side by side with Joseph to make sure that we're moving in the right direction and keep advancing things that are making really making a difference for cyclists in Boulder County. Great. Thanks, Rob. Mm -hmm. And once again, thanks for joining us. 
Can you give us sort of a high-level overview of what C4C it does, its mission, and then how C4C's work is an important part of the Boulder community, how making the Boulder community a better place for cyclists, which I assume means making it a better place for other people who share Boulder with cyclists. That's a good, yeah. So it is a multidimensional situation. We have, and I want to think about it too in context of what other cities can or are doing too, because they're all going to be a little different set of circumstances. Boulder, situated right up against the Flatirons and, and, the, and the mountains on the plains in Colorado, is kind of a mecca for cycling, right? Always has been. And I sometimes tell my cohorts at work who think golf is like the big thing that everybody should be doing, that cycling really is the new golf. And my country club is right there in Boulder County. And I, and I think there's a lot of people that would share that understanding of that and experience it. However, Boulder is also attractive to a lot of other people, right? So we have hundreds of thousands of new bodies in Colorado coming in every year. And a lot of them are flocking to jobs and tech industry in Boulder. And consequently, we have a lot of influx or uh, inflow of drivers coming into, into, that, into this area, making the roads very busy. And all of us that live here under, you know, have seen over the last 10 years, if not longer, this has changed the dynamic a lot, the interaction between the cyclist and the automobile pretty significantly. And we all have friends that have either been, their lives have been taken from us or have been severely impacted by uh, run-ins with, with automobiles. So some of that is the impetus for how can we make this, how can we make this safer? How can the bike, the cyclists behave? How can the automobiles behave? How do they interact together? And then I think you get other, other constituencies that come into play. We have, you know, there's always new bodies coming into cycling, right? We have new cyclists coming out of the woodworks in this pandemic as a result of that and working from home and getting into new sports. You can't even, it's hard to even buy a bike anymore in Boulder, much less anywhere in the country. And so they're coming in. They don't understand how does this work? How do we, how do we stay safe? What should we be doing? Do we wear lights on our bikes? Whatever. And then there's the community that we live in, right? So that community has a relationship with us, us as cyclists, and it can be a good relationship, and it could be a really bad relationship. And C4C Cyclists for Community has has really worked hard to make and ensure that we are addressing those communities that we ride in, and giving back to them, helping them solve critical problems with cyclists, being a voice for them with the cycling community too. And we've got some great examples of that we can talk about and making that that relationship stronger. Yeah, that makes really good sense. As an individual cyclist myself, it really feels when I'm riding out on the road that I'm isolated, that there would essentially be nothing I could do to try to make the riding environment better. Throwing a shell into the ocean, how much did you affect the ocean. <laughs> Not much, let's admit it. But this idea of the cyclists coming together, not just to make complaints about what people are doing to cyclists, but also being able to let cyclists know, well, how are you, how can you be a good citizen? Utilizing the roads in a way that's respectful to other people and and safe and you know helping government officials to meet their objectives and you know, and in the end, if the if it becomes safer for the cyclist, then everybody wins. So that really is a great idea. 
whoever came up with it. I guess that would be you uh, in part, Rob, is uh, one of the co-founders. No, I think it's, it, it really is a collaborative idea. I mean, nothing, nothing in the cycling community happens by one person. It is collaboration across many, many people. And that's, that is one of the founding ideas of C4C is to bring people together, give them a voice, be able to then focus it in on solving some of these, some of these issues and collaborating to make that happen. Right. Yeah, there's no driving test for cyclists. <laughs> so there's no way nope. to educate people when they're new to the game, or even maybe they're old in the game, but never really got mentored by people who are wiser. So that's great. But I wonder if you guys could tell us a little bit about how did C4C come into existence? It's a fairly new organization. 2013, I think, correct, is the start of that. But really, the story goes back even farther, doesn't it? You know, yeah, you can't really talk about C4C, Cyclists for Community, without talking about WMV, Wednesday Morning Velo. Uh, Wednesday Morning Velo started 20 plus years ago as uh, a networking ride that I think some bankers put on. One of our current board members was one of those, those first couple bankers that said, hey, uh, let's all, you don't, we don't want to go play golf. Let's all go out for a bike ride, and then after a bike ride, let's you know have a cup of coffee or maybe have some breakfast. They have some fun stories. So that was twenty plus years ago. I first started doing the Wednesday morning velo rides, and by way of explanation, Wednesday morning usually means um, six thirty most mornings from May through September. My first couple of rides were probably in 2010, the summer of 2010. And really, those were the first rides that I had ever done with more than two people. So that was kind of a fun new experience for me. I was getting back into cycling after a number of years of, of not having done much cycling. And over a couple of years, 2010, 2011, 2012, uh, the number of people who started showing up for the, this organized ride at 6.30 in the morning started growing and growing. The first year, we'd have 12, 15, 25 people. And, you know, that was fun and exciting. It was a great way to start off hump day. You really felt like you had done something. and You know, you'd done your workout for the day. You felt good physically. You're sitting at your desk, staring at your computer, and your legs are a little sore. But, you know, it was a good feeling because you felt like you'd uh, been active. Then they, uh, more and more people just started showing up. So by the summer of 2013, and, and Rob can maybe correct me here, but it broken up into two separate rides because we just had too many people showing up to all be in one big pack together. And we were getting different levels of fitness and experience, but it was a really, really nice community. And the whole purpose of the ride from day one was that it was a networking ride. We're going to be riding along to abreast. And it's an opportunity to chat with somebody next to you who you've not met before. And I'm an architect. And if I'm riding, riding next to a banker, or a developer or a builder, an interior designer, um, you know, a window provider, there might be some good contacts that can be made there. So that was really exciting. And then in Colorado in 2013, in the first couple of weeks of September, so we were still doing our, our weekly rides, we had the floods here. 
and it was really catastrophic. There were a number of communities that lost residents, residents lost their lives. They had to relocate for a number of months while infrastructure roads all got rebuilt. And this was really personal to me for a couple reasons. I mean, everybody was affected in the front range. There's no question about it. I actually grew up in Lyons. I went to high school there. My mother lived there. She was there during the floods. I've got friends from high school who lost parents during in the floods. Jamestown is also another community that lost their community members. They lost their lives during that. Um, but it was a huge impact on, on these two communities. And uh, Rob can talk a little bit about the early days of C4C, but it was that event that, that really spawned the idea for C4C. Yeah, I think Joseph hits on a lot of really key points about how Wednesday evolved. And it had gone on to not only two rides, but eventually has gone on to now we have four rides. And then safety was continually an issue. We now have even motorcycles that would ride behind each of the groups just to keep it safe and be there to help if something, if something went wrong, flat tires or, God forbid, a medical situation. So that has really continued to evolve. Of course, it's all taken a little bit of a backseat in this last year due to the pandemic. But we've pivoted and have a different, different approach to it until we can all get back together again and ride as a group. So the floods happened in September of 2013. Joseph talked about the Jamestown community. One of our go-to rides in Boulder, you have the luxury of you can, you can ride flats or you can climb. Those are your options, right? Which covers everything. And one of our go-to rides is we'd go up left-hand canyon to Jamestown. Everybody would regroup at Jamestown and then we'd ride back down and come back over one of the, one of the hills to get back to the coffee shop. By the way, Wednesday Bell always ends at a coffee shop and there are there's sponsors each week and very formalized that we've got a lot of different people engaged in this process, contributing it, getting recognition, getting notifications on a weekly basis, a newsletter, website, all kinds of things. So you'd have coffee and you'd have snacks when you got back and then have a time to really network as a group and hang out. Sometimes watch some, some Tour de France in, in France when it's on TVs outside. But we'd go to Jamestown quite frequently. And it actually was the last Wednesday Velo ride we did that year. And I think only four people maybe <laughs> went on that ride. We have pictures of them out in front of Jamestown. And I don't know how they made it up there because it was pouring already. And when it was all left over and said and done, not only was Boulder County dramatically impacted by this, Jamestown was literally washed out. W one of the local legends there, his, a, a landslide came down, mudslide came down, took out his house and he passed away. He died in the, in the landslide overnight. So it really changed things pretty dramatically. And one of the other organizers of Wednesday Velo that works with me at that time, a gentleman by the name of Russ Chandler, and I, we were walking around town, riding around town, seeing this devastation that's going on. And we said, we've got this group of people, great group of people in Wednesday Velo. We need to do something. And maybe we, and the thought initially was, maybe we can raise a couple thousand bucks and just help out some way, shape, or form. And then that went from, no, maybe we can do like 10,000. Maybe we can do 20,000. Maybe we can have an event. And it started to get some legs. And eventually, we ended up putting on this event. We called it at the time Cyclists for Jamestown. And it was held outdoors. And it was in October. And thank God, because if anybody knows Colorado, it can snow, well, anytime, really. But 
by October, it's getting sketchy. And we lucked out. We had great weather. And we had this amazing event outdoors. We had the mayor of Jamestown come and speak. And we had a bunch of pro cyclists come in and, and talk. And some of the old legends of Colorado cycling were here. Some of the, these are some of the national legends that, that a lot of people would know their names came and talked and led rides and we did a big fundraiser and a silent auction. At the end of the day, coupled with a couple other events, one of one of which was also for Joseph's hometown of Lyons, who also was pretty badly impacted, we raised over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for those communities. Wow. It was an eye opening experience, really was, to be able to say, wow, this community came together and they brought it, man. They, they really brought it. They cared. And what was almost as important as the money to help you know, people with housing and other issues that they had to deal with was that we could go to that community and say to Jamestown, we're here to help you. And prior to that, a lot of the Jamestown residents really did not like the cyclists. There was a lot of animosity between the cyclists and the people that lived up there and the drivers. And I saw some bad run-ins and bad behavior on both sides, to be honest with you. And so we wanted to go back to them and say, look, we care about you. We want to be part of this community and help you out. And it really changed the dynamic relationship between those two groups overnight. And that's where we started to see that there was a connection, that this made some sense. We could do this to help further improve the experience between multiple participants in, in, in what we do in our sport and get them engaged together to improve it for everybody. And that led to then, took a couple of years, we eventually incorporated as a nonprofit as a 501c3 and formed a board, formed a process, and it has evolved. We have this really amazing dynamic board that Joseph leads today. And He's going to hand the reins off to the next person up. And we have staff we've hired. We do a bunch of fundraising, some of it to provide things in the community, and some of it now to really guide big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, we have for things like, example, creating a bikeway between two key points in Boulder. Lions and Boulder is the most highly trafficked bike corridor, but it's also technically a highway. Speed limit is 60, 65 miles per hour on that thing. And any day you might see a pack of anywhere between two and, and 50 riders going down that thing. And if you're coming in from out of town and you've never seen a pack of riders that size before, it's a intimidating thing to try and drive past. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're working with the collaborating now with the state of Colorado, Boulder County, city of Boulder, all these different constituencies that are involved in this. Also collaborating with other large nonprofits, Bicycle Colorado as an example, to create a pathway to potentially creating a bikeway between Boulder and Lyons that would get, uh, not everybody, but a big chunk of those riders off of that road and onto a uh, completely separated path that would get them between those two locations. Well, that's an amazing story. The idea is that by being generous, you've discovered how how this could really work by shifting your focus from just uh, having a good ride on Wednesday morning to then being a good citizen of the community. Suddenly it just kind of rolled forward. And I think that your gala, your annual fundraising mm -hmm. gala is like crank it forward. It's like a pay it forward kind of a thing so that 
that whole idea, I guess, came from that experience that working with Jamestown. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it did. It evolved over time. And then finally, we said, we want to have staff. We really want to get this, you know, get really more engaged. We need to have some funds to do that, right? But we also needed a, a, an opportunity to bring that community together outside of a Wednesday Velo or a bike ride and take off your spandex and put on a suit jacket or something like that and crank it forward, evolve from that. And now it's become a, until last year with the pandemic, it's become a really kind of cornerstone event in Boulder for the cycling community to get together. And it helps to raise money uh, for the cause and gets them an overview, again, of what's really going on, all the work that's being done for them you know, behind the scenes by the, by the organization. Well, I want to put a placeholder here and come back to talk about this path that C4C went down to come into existence and actually really quite rapidly make a difference and see if we can't share some insights that you guys have about how other cities might be able to do something, replicate that, or get their own version of something like that. But before we do that, if you guys could just give us a little more detail for the people that are in Boulder County now, or maybe thinking of moving there, can you give us a list of some of the things that you've done and you're working on? You talked about uh, one of your big audacious goals, but I'm sure that there are other things that you guys are working on. Yeah, maybe, Joseph, maybe we can divvy this up and I'll take some of the things that we've done so far and then you can talk about where we're going and what we're, what we're working on for the future. On that side, you know, other than the cyclists for Jamestown, cyclists for Lions, you know, these events that we created and, and, and ran, we did end up hiring staff. We have had two, we're on our second staff member, we, Becca Blay started uh, that process for us. And now Matt Muir is doing it today. And uh, both of them have, have added huge value to the organization, the community. Today, Matt is really engaged working with uh, local governments and state government and all kinds of things that we're able to give him the time to go do that by having some compensation for him. When After the floods, we worked really extensively with Boulder County and Boulder County Transportation Division. I remember multiple nights every week, Russ and I would be over there at the Boulder County building, meeting with them as a group and supporting for when they rebuild these roads, that those roads would have, they would be bike and car friendly, not just one, one dimensional. And we did get, we ultimately have roads that are very bike friendly and very car friendly, allowing for paths on both sides up and down of those roads. We created a lot of signage. We created some really cool signage that's up around Boulder County. Things that would say to tell drivers that they, you know, three foot rule applies, that it's okay for them to cross over a double yellow line when they're approaching cyclists as long as it's clear. Uh, and those things are around the, around the area and you'll see them as you go around. We have lights at intersections. As I said earlier, we have had unfortunate events that have happened, and there's multiple people involved in this, but as an example, one of our board members is a lady by the name of Trini Willerton. Trini is a, a local triathlete, and she was out training and was making a left-hand turn off of a major a main road onto a side road that we all go on all the time. And a truck came up from behind her and thought it'd be a good idea to try and pass on the left-hand side while she was executing the turn and hit her and really could, should have and could have killed her easily. She was thrown significant feet and she, her body was really beaten up. And now we, have, now we have a light at that intersection. We have blinking lights that let you know, watch out for cyclists. That kind of stuff is out there. Sidebar on that. Meanwhile, Trini has gone on to 
create a really amazing organization called It Could Be Me, which is a national program. So things like that have been done. We've created a a bicycle-friendly driver program, which is really cool. Created a curriculum for that and some of the technology behind it. We've collaborated both with uh, Boulder County with that to execute that for drivers of trucks and lightweight vehicle trucks uh, that are around here. They all go through that program so that they're aware of, you know, when you see a cyclist, just this is what you need to be aware of. And if you're a kid, if you, you know, if you're, if you're getting your license, you can voluntarily go through this program too. That is expanding statewide. And even we're getting some national attention on that. So lots of those kinds of things have been put in place, really promoting bicyclists, having lights on their bikes and things like that, which you now see all the time. You didn't see that even just five years ago. Pretty common when you're riding around here to see that. Yeah. So those are some of the things that we did in the past. And Joseph, maybe talk a little bit about where we're going in the future. That's some good stuff, Rob. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So after our just big events for Jamestown and Lions, um, there's a couple other little things we've done here and there. Uh, we bought Boulder County a variable message board so that they could place strategically along uh, heavily trafficked roads, both for cars and cyclists, just to warn drivers who might not be familiar with uh, the conditions that there are a lot of cyclists about. We also help Jamestown. We pay for a porta potty just so that all the cyclists that are riding up there aren't adversely impacting that community. But, you know, after the big event, the floods, C4C had a little bit of a kind of a identity crisis. Are, are we just sitting around waiting for another huge disaster to happen? What does C4C want to be when it grows up? How are we going to move forward? And uh, we spent a lot of time, the board did, about who we wanted to be, what we wanted to be, how we could create the biggest impact. And ultimately, we wanted to protect cyclists and foster, as Rob said, a really good relationship between cyclists and drivers. So our current big, hairy, audacious goal is to create a much safer route for cyclists between Boulder and Lyons. So for anybody who doesn't know, Highway 36, Foothills Highway as it's uh, locally called, is um, about a 20 mile stretch between the communities of Boulder and Lyons. And it's a road that has a decent shoulder. It's a good ride. It's a very popular ride for cyclists to go on, but it could be a lot safer. And there are examples statewide of communities and the state has done a lot of work to create protected bikeways. And we feel like this is something that could really benefit a lot of people and a lot of different communities could get on board with. So if you are a driver and you're not a cyclist and you commute every day on this highway and you come up on a pack of 20, 30 riders, even if you are cyclist friendly, that can cause you a certain amount of heartburn. You know, if you're running late for a meeting and you've got to slow down. Uh, And so we're all drivers. We all use these same roads. We're super hypersensitive because we're also cyclists about the, what can happen when there is a bad interaction between cyclists and car. So we, we all want to address that. And uh, we are currently in the works with um, a lot of different organizations 
the uh, Boulder County roads and the state um, Department of Transportation are who controls this particular highway. And so we've started, we've been in talks with them. We will be working towards funding a feasibility study for what it'll take to create a protected bikeway between Boulder and Lyons. Construction, we know, is going to be very expensive. But the first step is just getting a feasibility study. What does it take to create this link? And we think we can get a lot of the community around it. Once again, uh, we represent the cyclists. We have this great community that we think we can bring to bear. We also think we can probably get commuters and drivers involved in this because this ultimately could benefit them as well. But that is our big, hairy, audacious goal, which will be a two to three year effort. And we are hoping to have our annual fundraiser, which uh, we canceled last year, uh, crank it forward this October, October 1st. We would love for it to be in person and, and have it be a big cyclist party, but we'll see. You know, the pandemic will, uh, is still evolving and we'll just have to see how things play out. But we are hopeful we will have something one way or the other October 1st. It might be minimal. It might be partially in person, partially not. It might be outside. We'll, we'll just have to see. But we are planning for it. Yeah, that'll be the, the first next step um, into creating this bikeway. Great. And if I could give some context to that, we, um, <clears throat> what we're talking about here is they, we have to raise about $240,000 to initiate this study that has to be done first. You have to do a study, and then that leads to getting the actual plan in place, and then the plan gets funded, and all that has to happen through all these levels of government. So you can imagine it's a spider web trying to get through that. So there are grants out there that we are looking at, and we have to do matching to get those grants. So part of the fundraising is to build that matching component of the total grant so we can raise the full two plus hundred thousand dollars to make that study feasible. Well, that sounds like a sizable amount of money to raise. You guys have managed to raise more than that. You, you said 250 was just for the cyclist for Jamestown, and you guys have been doing fundraising ever since then. Is it public information that you can share about how much money you guys have raised? Yeah, it's definitely public. And those were unique events and they were very point in time kind of situation. So we haven't had that kind of success since then. But the Crank It Forward generally raises about fifty to $60,000 a year in its current format. And we think it actually is capable. It's capable of a lot more. There are a couple other fundraising things that are going on. There's a matching fundraiser going on right now that's hosted by C4C. We're thinking of doing a, an interim uh, bike raffle and virtual event uh, that might happen in May or June. There are a couple other avenues for that to be able to raise these funds. And then those funds are directly driven to getting these things done. Fabulous. What would you want to share here at the, so that people could know how they could help? Again, I want to get to how we can help people in other cities do something for themselves. But, you know, since you guys have this great program in the Boulder area, how can local people help out? And one way they could help out is by donating. And anybody who might consider that would know that money wouldn't just disappear and not be useful. The track record that you guys have had of raising money and then putting it to good use speaks for itself. But what would you say to local people who are interested in helping out? Well, our website is c4community.org. 
And there is a direct link there where people can donate. That's certainly the easiest way. The other way is you could reach out to one of us. And we have a lot of different boards, um, subcommittees that we have non-board members on. People could take direct effort. You know, we've got a advocacy committee that's doing a lot of this footwork for getting the feasibility study up and running. And, you know, we need to, to market ourselves to get out there. We've got a marketing committee. There are a lot of opportunities within the organization that if people wanted to volunteer. We would love to have their help. Great. And so that's uh, the letter C, the number four, and the word community.org. That's correct. Awesome. Yeah, well, we'll put that in the show notes as well so people can just go there if they didn't have a chance to take notes. Oh, and then I suppose they they should join Wednesday Morning Velo if they haven't tried that out. I, I can speak from personal experience that that is uh, total fun and it doesn't matter what your level is. There's faster people than you there. But on the other hand, people should not feel intimidated because there's groups. You said there's four now. They're for all levels of people. Is that right? Yeah, that's that is absolutely right. And it, it, it you know, certainly come to it if, if you want to do the networking part of it is a big part of it. But yeah, there is a there is a ride for everybody. And we are even contemplating spinning out a fifth ride. Um, we have a couple that are focused on gravel now, which is a huge segment of the cycling you know world these days. Probably the fastest growing segment there is within the within the bike industry. So we have a group that's predominantly gravel. Some people have said the gravel ride is getting faster than I can, I can keep up with. So we're thinking of now having a, an A and a B ride in the, in the gravel sector. And we happen to live in an area where gravel road accessibility is very good. So yeah, uh, be, come on out, enjoy it. This year uh, to start uh, in May, we're gonna start with coffee stops out at the Greenbrier, uh, which we did that all of last year. And it worked out great. So people could just go out and do their own ride, come stop by, put your mask on, stay, stay distance, but get some coffee and some snacks and then ride back into, into town when you're done. And that was a great event. We, used to, we had lots of people participating in that and got great reviews back on that. But hopefully some point this summer, we might be back together in some form of a, of a group ride fashion for Wednesday Velo. We're really hopeful of that. Yeah, to, to piggyback on, um, we also, from time to have time under normal conditions, have uh, women-only group rides, and we also have new cyclist rides. So, as I mentioned earlier on, you know, when I first started doing Wednesday Morning Velo, I think four was the largest group of people that I've ever ridden with. And riding with four people is a lot different than riding with 10, 15, 20, 30 people, and there is skills involved uh, and it just takes time to learn them. And, and, you know, we want people to feel comfortable riding out of the roads and learning those skills is a big part of, of what we want to be able to do through Wednesday morning fellow. That's great. Yeah. I can remember having to learn those things myself. Uh, too many, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> uh, well, good. Okay. So let's move on to then what advice would you give to somebody in another city, could be in Colorado, could be somewhere else. They want to make cycling better, a bigger part, more important part of their own community. And so that, that means, of course, making it better for the cyclists, but also making the cyclists better citizens for the city and then helping the city to get the benefits of having 
a more vibrant cycling community. What advice would you guys give? Well, you know, I, I've been on a couple different boards, nonprofit boards. This is my my third and the second kind of startup, although a lot of the heavy lifting starting C4C had been done before I got on the board. To try to look at C4C from an outsider's perspective, you know, having the community of the Wednesday morning velo of the riders existing first and then being able to leverage that group of connections into something that can be such a big benefit to the community is really fortunate. There are other cycling clubs and communities across the nation that exist at some form or another. You know, maybe it's through bike shops, maybe it's through local clubs. If a group of people can leverage those groups and really bring them together, it can be a really powerful group. Um, there's a lot of power there, for lack of a better term. Purchasing power, just effort, and having a loud voice that cyclists need to be represented in some form or another within these communities. The groups are there. They just really need to be brought to bear. And so C4C is just has been a good conduit for the local cycling community to have a greater voice on how we are perceived on the roads where we ride. Yeah, I would, I would say it also could be for another community, it could be a real roadmap as to how you build it, right? And, and we are absolutely open to helping, consulting with somebody that wanted to build this in another, another community, helping them get this off the ground uh, and making it work. And how do you design it? How do you get people engaged? Leading to you know your your fundraising uh, activities. How do you staff it and structure that? And where do you set your goals and your your mission? That really are very important to that. So a lot of those are lessons we've learned the hard way building it, and it's in a much better place now than it was you know just even a couple of years ago. That took time. It takes time to learn those things. So if we can help somebody skip a few steps in that process, I think that might be very beneficial to them as they build their build their program in another city. Well, that sounds generous. Thanks very much. We got to the end of my outline, gentlemen. <laughs> Was there anything else that you think would be important to share? I just quickly hit on something that that Rob mentioned earlier. You know, the pandemic has led to us as Coloradans, Americans, you know, global residents. Our lifestyles have changed. Nobody wanted it to change, but they have changed. Just looking at bicycle sales across the globe, bicycles are, have been hard to come by because everybody's buying them. So one way or the other, for better or worse, and I truly believe it's for the better, there are going to be a lot more cyclists out on the roads. There's a certain amount of education that those cyclists need to have to be safe out there. We want to make the conditions as safe as possible. And educating drivers is a part of that. We all have to share the roads so that's equal burden on both sides. So I would just like to voice that as stuff warms up in the spring, all of those cyclists, all those new bikes uh, are going to be out there and we all need to be careful as drivers. We all have to have, all have to be considerate and, and kind to each other. We have to, to, to share these roads. Right. 
Well, okay. I'll put everything that you guys mentioned terms of contact info into the show notes so that people can reach out to you to understand how to participate uh, or to reach out to you for help because they wanted to do something in their own cities. And what you guys have shared today is useful information. So thanks very much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your day. Me too. Thank you so much for listening in to our discussion with Rob Andrew and Joseph Vigil of Cyclists for Community. I hope you found the C4C story as interesting as I did. If you want to find out more information on, on donations to or on rides and events hosted by C4C, check out the show notes for a link to the website, the letter C, the number four, the word community.org. If you are in another city, be sure to contact C4C for advice on building your own community of cyclists so you can make cycling safer in your area. And if you head over to wiseathletes.com, you can send us a question to address on the podcast see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Thanks again.